morning, everybody. It's really nice to have you here today. We really appreciate you joining us. I wish it was under a little different circumstances, but I look forward to seeing you in person later. During this session, I want to talk to you about some corn diseases and soybean diseases that we've been watching closely and some new data that we've got on management and the distribution of some of those diseases. So we've talked for a number of years now about bacterial leaf streak and that's not new to most of you in the central and eastern parts of the state. But this particular year, I didn't feel like I could leave it out because it was actually much more severe in some areas and probably took a lot of people by surprise. And it was a good example of how that bacterium is still here. And it is one that does develop early in the season. And so many of you saw lesion development in seedling plants and then a flush of disease as uh, we went into mid season. And we even had lesions on the uppermost leaves on the very top leaves of corn plants and some of it was quite severe like you see in these pictures from from the clay center area and so a thing to I think I want to make a note of is that we do see this disease when temperatures are cooler which is a surprise for people but that is one main way that you can distinguish it from gray leaf spot because that's been the main concern as we've moved through this since uh, 2014 or 2015 is that it is easily concerned uh, confused with gray leaf spot and so we want to make sure people are able to differentiate between those as i move forward to um, be sure and keep in mind that if if you have a lot of bacterial leaf streak we do have hybrids that are showing some resistance but it's difficult to screen hybrids for uh, bacterial leaf streak resistance and so we're working with companies on that but you might talk to your company representative to try to identify hybrids better suited for your area if you've had a lot of disease. Now I'm going to keep going and you're going to notice if you've downloaded the slides that were provided earlier that I'm skipping around a little bit because there's a lot more slides that I provided to you than I have time to go through. So if at any point later on, please ask questions about something else that may come up as you see it. I want to transition now to southern rust and southern rust isn't new to us by any means uh, this year it may have been a little bigger deal and a little more alarming to a lot of people and so we first confirmed southern rust on july 14th in south central nebraska and up until that point we knew there was some southern rust in some of the southern states now remember we pay attention to that because this fungus can't overwinter here in nebraska and so it's going to blow up from some of those southern states and when we had very high sustained winds for a couple of weeks in june that's probably to blame for what pushed it up to us a, a little bit early and so if you want to watch the progress of southern rust in the southern states and see some of that chatter, I encourage you to watch this website. This is the IPM pipe website for southern rust. And you can even Google that and you'll get to it very quickly. And so this is the site that I use when I get samples from you to confirm the disease and to color counties in. And so uh, every state handles that a little bit differently. And we've actually got some vacancies in some of the positions that would normally be updating that map. So keep those things in mind as you, uh, as you watch those maps. Couple of things too, uh, as we move forward. I know I had a question from a gentleman yesterday asking about uh, 
I said, couldn't see all of the slide. And so if you have trouble and you want to move the pictures of us or the videos over, you can actually pan your mouse over the pictures on the right and grab that top ribbon and slide it off to the side like that. Hopefully that'll help you see better or you can close it out altogether. So about everyone is probably uh, familiar with southern rust and the orange to tan spores that are produced on the upper leaf surface. But what took a lot of people by surprise is that toward the end of the season, southern rust and also common rust can also produce teliospores. And these spores are black. And you see those around some of the same pustules where you had earlier seen some of the production of orange spores. And so like in this picture, it can look rather alarming when you have that production of all those black pustules uh, on these leaves. And we had a number of reports of people concerned that they thought they had tar spot. And so that would be the one I'd most easily confuse it with. And so uh, please let us know if you see this. If you had a lot of southern rust in that field, it's it's probably going to be the teliospore phase, but as we watch for that disease tar spot, I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to disregard these symptoms if you do run across them. And so um, a few things though, these spores are for overwintering. They're pigmented, they have thick walls, but they still can't overwinter here. But that fungus is still going to try its best to do so. So this year at uh, the South Central Ag Lab, where most of our corn fungicide trials are, we uh, did have some appreciable amounts of southern rust in our fungicide trials and elsewhere throughout the region. And that was a big concern for us, especially as it moved from north into some of the northern counties. And we've seen southern rust up here in the northern counties, but not as early as it developed in uh, 2020. And so we get concerned about southern rust because that fungus is an aggressive fungus. It can reproduce quickly, much quicker than what we would see with gray leaf spot. And so that's why it's so important to monitor it. And so uh, this year we were able to get some fungicide data on that. And I, want, I have a little bit of time I want to share from one of those trials with you that we conducted out there. And this is replicated six times. These are small plots that we applied fungicides to at either R1 or R3. And one treatment was made in furrow. And so on the right side, you can see what southern rust looked like by September 2nd in this particular trial. So we did have quite a bit, but we, you know, we didn't see that until around, I think around um, early, early August. And so that was something that uh, we really wanted to capture for everybody. And I want to acknowledge my technical staff. They do all the work. I just get to present the results to all of you. And so as as we move through here, let me explain how this slide is set up. So this particular graph shows southern rust severity, basically. And on the left, you'll see AUDPC. That just means area under the disease progress curve. It's a cumulative uh, measurement of disease severity over time from several ratings that uh, my team members collected. And so as you might expect, the bigger the bar, the more disease there was, okay? And so, this uh, southern rust was first observed at R3 uh, in the milk stage, August 7th, and it developed from there to what you saw in the earlier picture. And so 
the non-treated control is over here all the way on the left in that white or cream colored bar. And the rest of these are various colors. And so down here at the very bottom, you'll see R1 is that bright red. That's when the fungicides were applied to that treatment. Or R3 uh, is that gray bar. That's a little bit difficult to look at though. And so I wanna show you one way that I like to look at it. And so these are in treatment pairs. And so for each product, it was applied at R1 and R3 for these eight different pairs looking on the right side of the graph. And in general, uh, you know, we've got data all over the place, but in general, the R1 application, the earlier application, did a little bit better job reducing disease severity compared to the R3 application. And so uh, that was interesting to look at. And seven of the eight times, I think, it was uh, significantly different. And so that's uh, something good to keep in mind. We often are concerned about applying a fungicide too early and it wearing off. And in this case, it does not appear that that was the case at all. I do want to point out too, we had some additional treatments here. And so on the left hand side of the graph, we had a number, a couple of treatments that were made at different timings. And so we did have Zyway LFR that was applied in furrow with the starter, starter fertilizer. And that was at planting. And then the second treatment was Lucento applied at R1. And so in this particular case, you may be asking why we would be looking at an inferro product and uh, foliar disease later on. And I'm gonna show you why here in a minute, but here using Zyway alone, you can see at planting, it wasn't effective at, at least at reducing Southern rust in this trial later on, but the application of the Lucento at R1 certainly did do a really good job of reducing disease then. And so during this trial, we also look at a number of other things. And so one of those is stock lodging. And you've, you've probably seen a lot of those data from us where we've been able to show improvements in standability with many of our fungicide treatments. Uh, that really wasn't the case this year. And that's in contrary to what I expected to happen with all the Southern rust we had. In spite of it, we didn't see the standability issues that we often do see associated with Southern rust development. And so there's a lot of variability here uh, in general. Most of the products looked a little better. When you look at these data for the percent lodging, that's when we do those push tests in the field. And so, um, in general, though, there was no statistical differences here. And so everything was between about six and 16%. So they were, they were pretty tight. And so when you bounce over to look at the yield, it's a little hard to look at. So let's divide it up into the treatment pairs again by treatment date. And so that helps us uh, narrow that down to look at. And so in general, looking at these pairs of treatments that were applied at either R1 or R3, it didn't really matter seven out of eight times whether you applied it at R1 or R3 for yield. And so when you look at the letters above it, that's what I'm talking about. If any of these two bars, let's look at, let's pick the ones out on the far right side for Veltima. Maybe that's easier for you to see. 
uh, for Veltima applied at R1, there's a BCD and the gray bar for R3 applications of Veltima was an AB. Well, if any of those two bars have any of the letters in common, so in this case, the B is there, it means statistically they were not different. And so uh, throughout that field and those six, those six replications, there was enough variability that it, it just didn't matter. And so R1 versus R3 in this particular year, it, it didn't matter. And so that's kind of what we saw earlier for Southern rust uh, severity too. And so let's focus now on the early applications where we had the fungicide Zyway applied in furrow or in furrow followed by Lucento at R1. And so um, for yield, the uh, Zyway in furrow in this case yielded more than the non-treated control. Um, generally the same as many of the other treatments that we made later to uh, corn at R1 or R3. And uh, likewise, the, actually, it's hard to explain. We don't always know why, but we didn't see that effect for the Zyway followed by Lucento in this trial. But remember, this is one location in one year. And for this particular trial, this is one that's repeated across the country by a lot of our collaborators. And so this time of the year, we're sharing data and analyzing it and trying to interpret what it means. And so I do have some additional data from my counterpart at the University of Kentucky named Dr. Kirsten Wise. And so she shared some data with us in from her 2019 experiment that I want to show you. And so this is the reason that we're looking more closely at products applied in furrow. We had a surprise in 2019 when a product, this product called Zyway applied in the LFR formulation that you see here on the second row and sometimes the 3D version uh, also showed some efficacy even for foliar diseases later on in the season. So this was a surprise for us as pathologists and we've spent some time talking about it and trying to include it in our trials. Now we didn't see this in our trial in 2020 in Clay Center. Part of that might be because we didn't have gray leaf spot to, to any extent. We barely had any out there at all. Southern West was our, was our main disease and if you follow this table over to this fourth or fifth column, you'll see there was no treatment effect on southern rust. However, gray leaf spot and northern corn leaf blight were affected and all of them were reduced with these in furrow treatments similar to what the R1 applications gave us of those products. And so let me point out this third column shows you when the applications were made. And so you've got the non-treated control on top. The second row is Zyway LFR. That's your infro treatment that you put that you apply with the uh, starter fertilizer. And then Zyway 3D, that's a, the foam system and Lucento plus an NIS added at R1 and then Lucento with the NIS uh, alone at R1 uh, followed by uh, headline amp down there on the bottom. So the thing I want to show you is, to our surprise, all four of those treatment combinations reduced not only gray leaf spot severity, but also northern corn leaf blight severity, even when they were applied in furrow. And that's not something we've been able to show in our own data yet, 
but some of our colleagues are seeing that. And so I can't guarantee you we would see that, but we're going to continue to test that. And so Kirsten did as well. And so in 2020, in her trials there in Kentucky, they had pretty low disease pressure in most of their trials and limited northern corn leaf blight, which is a big concern over there. But in spite of that, for gray leaf spot, uh, in this trial, you can see on the for the non-treated control over there on the left, up to about 5% leaf area covered. That's pretty low. But every single treatment combination that they applied at, uh, at R1, or VT, R1, did reduce disease, just like you would expect. And one of those treatments was an infro treatment of Zyway right over here on the right. And so that's interesting for us to see. And likewise, uh, when we look at her southern rust data, uh, she had a lot more southern rust than she did uh, gray leaf spot, similar to us. And so in this particular slide, it shows similar results on the non-treated control on the left is much more. Everything reduced southern rust some, although the Zyway treatment really wasn't enough to hold and uh, reduce southern rust significantly. And so this is something we'll keep looking at. And uh, if anybody plans to try that, we'd like to hear from you and see what you observe too. But it's not been consistent in everybody's trials, but we're gonna be looking at some larger meta-analyses to see what we can tease out and continue to test this and look for that effect. I also want to encourage everybody when you get your weed guide, please check out the disease management section because one of the things that we've added, of course, is updating what some of those new foliar fungicides available for use in corn are. And so some of those products have three modes of action, three active ingredients, and so you've got more diversity there and uh, more options for you. Finally, for corn, uh, I still want to put in a plug and ask that you watch closely for frog uh, for the tar spot disease. Now tar spot is something a lot of you have been hearing about in the states east of us. This is a fungus that can cause a lot of damage. In fact, in the most severe cases, up to 50% yield loss. And so it's not been confirmed in Nebraska yet. And I don't expect it to, to develop in central Nebraska first. I expect those easternmost counties to see that, but this is what I want you to look for, are black dots on leaves. Now, clearly the most common black dots are is frass left behind by our insect pest and even insect uh, friends and beneficial insects. So try to rub off black dots, but if you can't rub them off, please contact one of us, uh, maybe get a sample to us so we can look at it closer. Uh, this disease is one that has spread throughout the colored counties that you see. Um, the gray counties are where we've historically documented it in previous years. The yellow gold counties is where it was active in 2020. And so looking at this map, the most alarming thing to me is that it is right in the western part of Iowa, one county away from eastern Nebraska. Now that stayed there throughout 2020, but that part of the that part of the world was pretty dry, right? And so it really would have uh, delayed development and held it back. And so if we have some cool, wet conditions that are favorable for this disease, we could really see tar spot development and movement. And so please help us watch for that in the coming months. And this is what you're going to look for. They may range from very tiny black dots, like you see on the right-hand side, to larger 
pencil eraser size black dots that are raised on the leaf surface and sometimes even have this uh, tan to gray ring around it. That's the fisheye lesion that we've noticed. So you won't always see that though. So please let us know, get us a sample to the clinic or just reach out to somebody and we'll try to get a sample from you so we can look at it quickly. So um, I'm gonna skip through that. Has anyone got any questions?